Stranger on the Shore, Harry Mitham talks with Sipo Young about her journey from Zambia to Perth. Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome to Global Chat Radio, where we're interviewing a person from Zambia today. But I must tell you that we are sitting in the studio of Global Chat Radio. We're situated at Tuart College in um, Tuart Hill. So it's it's been a joy for me, personally, Harry Mithen is my name. It's been a joy for me after having retired from teaching many years ago, still being very involved in issues around here in Perth to do with um, people who are disadvantaged, people who are coming in from other countries who find it hard to set up. Today's uh, interviewee, our guest, is Sipo Young. So Sipo, you are very welcome. Good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon, Harry, and thanks uh, for having me, Harry and team, and uh, inviting me to Global Chat. I really feel humbled to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. Sipo, it's, um, uh, you, you've come from you, your, your beginnings, the beginnings of your life were in Zambia. Could you tell us a little bit about Zambia, even like currently? If I could just introduce by saying, I know it's a country of about 17 million. It used to be originally called Northern Rhodesia, was it? Ah uh, yes, it was Harry. And then you got your independence in 1964 from uh, from Britain, and it's in the, now independent. Um, tell us a little bit about the Zambia that you grew up with and your family, Sipo. Thanks, Harry. So I was born uh, in Zambia, in Dola, a place called Ndola, a second uh, largest city in Zambia. It was an industrial uh, center of the copper belt, mm -hmm. so Zambians mining region, and it was vibrant at that time when I was born, and we are producing a lot of copper. So a lot of countries would come and get um, copper from uh, from Zambia. So mm -hmm. Zambia is well known for its uh, minerals, especially copper. So um, I was born at the time after independence. Mm -hmm. So the first president of Zambia was uh, Dr. Kenneth Kaunda. So I grew up uh, knowing the slogan of One Zambia, One Nation, because the President Kaunda used this slogan to attain independence and he used it to unite people of Zambia. And uh, he used it despite uh, your color, your tribe, your nationality, we all belong to a one Zambia, one nation. So uh, fits in really wonderfully with uh, the motto here that we, Tim played for us earlier on, we are one and yet we are many here in Australia too. Um, what about uh, the actual countryside? Um, I know you're close to the Victoria Falls, is about the place 
Australians might know best about Zambia. Victoria Falls is a lovely place. Though I, I was born on the Copper Belt, we have a property in uh, near just closer to Victoria Falls in Livingstone. So Livingstone is a tourist capital and you'll be able to see the Victoria Falls, which is really amazing. Mm. And I think uh, the vibrant and the culture of the Zambian people is really great. When you go to Zambia, you'd want to go back again mm. because the people are really friendly and very welcoming. Mm. So uh, during... I think the struggles of our independence from other um, nations, Zambia welcomed different nationalities and uh, welcomed them and gave them refuge. South Africa was one of them, Rwanda was one of them. I remember when I was growing up with my dad, uh, my dad paid for medical um, fees for uh, a refugee who came from Zambia. So we are known to look after one another and our neighbours as well. So that yes. oneness, that Ubuntu, uh, identifies us. Sounds sounds a uh, sounds a paradise, really. Um, and, and what about um, the, the capital? You mentioned you came from Dola. What what is the capital again of Zambia? Uh, the capital city of Zambia is Lusaka. So I was fortunate enough. I think when I left school, I I went to Kabwe and I trained as a wood machinist, and I was able to train as a lecturer as well. Teaching is my background as well. So I went and lived in Lusaka. That's where I taught. So Lusaka has um, got a very big population, and everyone wants to go to Lusaka. And uh, it's grown from the time I left. So I left in two zero one to go to the UK, but Lusaka is a vibrant and growing city as well, and a lot of people, a lot of visitors will go straight to Lusaka because it's the capital. You were saying that you spent some time in the UK? Yes, so from uh, when I was lecturing, I went to the UK and I changed my career from uh, teaching and lifetime experiences made me change my career. I never thought I would go into um, nursing, but I changed my career to mental health because of, uh, you know, family experience uh, with mental health illnesses. Mm. So I had my uncle who had... um, you know, lost his job and became depressed and became, um, you know, he was, uh, my memories of my uncle was in a hospital, changed in shackles. And I could see him, I think I was uh, at primary school. And each and every time I finished school, I would go and just look at the yards. I wouldn't go in the hospital, but I'll go where they would just uh, maybe spend some time outside. And I would see him shackled in chains where he'll be walking around and the side effects of the antipsychotics was really, really terrible on him. So that's uh, how I changed my career to mental health nursing. Gosh, that was a uh, first-hand experience of people suffering from mental health, wasn't it? Yes. And um, is he still with us? My uncle unfortunately died. Uh, I think... um, He was the first one to die. A year later, my dad died as well. And I lost a few siblings. I think five siblings I've lost. And would you say, um, Sipo, that even though the country is economically fairly well off due to copper and I suppose other um, things that they produce, is it true that there is still quite a bit of poverty? There is a lot of poverty in Zambia and the gap between the rich and the poor is vast in the sense that I think once politicians come, they promised a lot of things, but they failed to deliver as well. And I think, you know, the rich becomes richer and the poor becomes poorer. Mm. So, and there's no benefits in Zambia like other developed countries. So that's why the, uh, the, the gap is really wide. Yeah, right. I must say uh, I'm interested too 
that you went to live in South Africa for some time as well was International Mandela Day or something. I think it was called something like that. And um, and I know that you had some experiences of Mandela. And I think before we leave uh, Zambia and talk a little bit more about your time in South Africa, maybe we could have a bit of music. Have you got some music for us? My favorite type of music in South Africa was from a lady called uh, Yvonne Chaka Chaka. And this music was really um, liked by uh, the great leader of all times, Nelson Mandela. And it's called Um Tomboki. So... When my amen, wopum komboti. 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 Thank you, thank you, Sipo. Uh, that was good. And you just said the name of the uh, what was the name of the singer again? Yvonne Chaka Chaka. Yvonne Chaka Chaka. And why is that uh, song so? Well, it sounds famous, and you seem to love it. Tell us why. Harry, uh, Yvonne Chaka Chaka. I remember, I think uh, Winnie Mandela approaching Yvonne Chaka Chaka and uh, asking her to to uh, sing and make more songs, but this stood out because uh, Nelson Mandela and other freedom fighters in prison really enjoyed listening to this music. Although it talked about, you know, women making beer and uh, making entertainment over weekends where people would come together and enjoy the beer, the African beer, Unkomboti. Yeah. Uh, So it kept him going despite he was, um, you know, in prison and other prisoners as well. It kept them going that someday, someday there'll be freedom and he'll be able to taste that African beer at <laughs> Um Kombozi. Oh, that's, that's a great little story. Um, so Nelson Mandela was um, a, a legend, of course. We all recognize and know he was a legend of all. Um, but I just noticed again the other day on the ABC News that um, I think there were 72 deaths overnight one night with the current unrest in South Africa. So despite all the wonderful work that he did, despite getting rid of apartheid, basically, 
South Africa has still got its problems, hasn't it? It is, and it makes me really sad. I'm sure. Because um, I think as humanity, as, um, you know, coming from the concept of Ubuntu, oneness, and, you know, mm. that belonging, I think uh, people, because maybe of the pandemic and what we're going through and what the, the world is going through at the moment, people are losing that, maybe because of our isolation, not having a lot of jobs, but that doesn't, you know, warrant people to be divided. I yes. think we can overcome and be united yes. as sub. But still, I suppose you look on the unrest being caused by, well, activists, people who are seeking justice, and they're marching, I suppose, and unfortunately violence comes into it. The idea of speaking up and doing your bit to try to bring more and more of the values of, of people like Mandela. And I think it's the same here in Australia, you know, with, with the fights, with, with, with the... Um, efforts and struggles that many people in Australia make about uh, recognising Aboriginal, you know, Indigenous First Peoples and other issues as well. So it is a sad sort of state of affairs, isn't it? So th how many years did you spend in South Africa, Sipo? I spent, I used to go back and forward to South yes. Africa, but I went for training in Benoni. So it's um, um, a town just outside uh, Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. And I went to train as a trainer uh, for, um, you know, carpentry and joinery and wood machining because mm -hmm. I was the first lady in Southern Africa to train as a wood machinist. Mm -hmm. So when I did that, I went back home and trained other women um, as well and other men. But I trained most of my students were men. Mm. And I'm glad that uh, I think I paved the way for uh, other women to yes. uh, get into carpentry and uh, do all, all that and wood machining as well. And we ended up having plumbers and, you know, women in uh, different, um, you know, trades um, courses. Yes. So I spent some time uh, in um, South Africa and I really enjoyed it. And talking about, you know, people wanting justice and uh, people wanting, um, you know, recognition, I think... Um, as uh, people, when you get accepted, and I always use the concept of Ubuntu, so Ubuntu Ngabantu Nubantu is a concept which is a Zulu phrase, meaning that am I am a person through others. Harry, you invited me here, and I am who I am because of you. I've come to Global Chat because of you. So that's really a good concept to use for everyone because Ubuntu will bring us together. Because if you don't support me or if you don't recognize me in this uh, room, then I won't be a person. I'll be unrecognizable. Mm. Gosh, that is so interesting. And I must put in a, a word here. I was recently at a discussion group where we talked about a, a social researcher here in Australia called Hugh Mackay. And Hugh Mackay, who uh, has been interviewing people in their homes and uh, talking about social, social justice and social issues and communities here in Australia for 40 years, he has just written his latest book called The Kindness Revolution. And I've started reading it already, and I, I know Hugh a little bit, but he always said that he wasn't necessarily a Christian. He had doubts and he wasn't sure about Christianity or various religions and that. But this time he's come up later in life saying that really the answer to so many problems today is we need a kindness revolution. And that's basically what, you, what, what you're saying, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That um, the people of South Africa 
looked like it was going to become one, but it takes a long time, doesn't it, to heal and to solve the issues. Tell us now about uh, when you moved to Australia or, or the idea behind coming to Australia. I first came to Australia in 2009 for my brother's wedding. So I, um, my brother, I educated my brother and um, I looked after him. I, I remember my first wage, I had to pay for his school fees. I think it was a time when my dad died. Mum was struggling and um, I had to take that responsibility of being a mother and a father to them. So mm. I sent my brother to come and study uh, in Australia because we wanted him to have a good life as well and to experience, um, you know, uh, what it is um, being uh, educated abroad. So when he, in 2009, I came for his wedding and uh, people asked me and uh, says, oh, they're looking for mental health nurses. Say, well, why don't you come? Mm -hmm. And I said, no, you know, I, I've got a good life in Scotland. Scotland is my second home mm -hmm. and it will always be about, no, Australia, Perth, Everything closes at 6 o'clock, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, it's a place where you go when you want to retire. <laughs> and that's how I dismissed the, the whole issue. But I think a few years down the line, my daughter and uh, my husband were watching a program about uh, Australia and uh, immigrating to Australia and, you know, these uh, beautiful uh, sites and, uh, you know, talked about Perth. And I, I even said to them, you guys, I thought you wouldn't go to Australia. But they said, well, for that kind of lifestyle, I think we would. Who wouldn't go? I would even go to the moon for that lifestyle. I said, all right, okay. Then the following day when I was at work, I was Googling mental health nurses. And I saw loads of, um, you know, jobs. But my daughter and my husband gave me conditions where they wanted to go because they, they had done a lot of research. And I think uh, Western Australia stood out. So I got a job in Geraton. They interviewed me and the time difference. Oh, my God. I think I was being interviewed in my pajamas, <laughs> you know, early hours of the morning because of the time difference. And yes. yeah, yeah, I had a few interviews, but I finally got a job in Geraton and we migrated. I think they sponsored us to go to Geraton. And that's how I came. And uh, Perth, I came to Perth uh, because um, my daughter was struggling. Mm -hmm. you need to settle and yeah. I wanted to be closer to her and support her and eventually that's how I uh, moved around to Perth so I came from uh, Geraton I went on secondment to Bambri and uh, Bambri I was uh, doing triage as well on mental health then eventually I worked in um, Stat Court the mental health court I really enjoyed that because I enjoy the forensic uh, you know background and what people you know with mental health uh, issues you know, I think uh, refraining them from uh, committing, re-offending again. So I really love that. And of course, I worked in a prison as well, which I really enjoyed. That forensic and crisis is uh, my bread and butter. I love that. But I'm currently working for Country Health. Despite coming to Metro, I went back to, uh, to the country and I'm working for Country Health as a clinical nurse consultant with uh, emergency telehealth services. So I get to uh, see people in the country on a particular shift. I see, I man about 85 uh, EDs in the country. So if somebody uh, presented in uh, Parabado with a mental health issues, I'll be there to VC and, um, you know, see them and formulate a plan. So which is a great, great service. 
So, Sipo, that sounds wonderful. Could could you tell our listeners a little bit more about the... You, you have explained it, but could we just expand a little on um, what people with mental health issues out in the country or in the in the regions of north, north of Perth, up in the top of Western Australia, people who are suffering from that, if they didn't have this, what would become of them? Have they been treated in the past? I think it used to be very difficult in the past because people would be transported from the country, bringing them to our path yeah. for, to a specialised mental health um, uh, hospital to be treated. Mm-hmm. But with um, emergency telehealth, mental health services and video conferencing has changed. It's a game changer for mental health mm-hmm. because um, somebody can present in a crisis and we're able to, um, you know, video conference, we see them. The only thing which uh, separates us is the screen. Yes. It's more like you're seeing the person. Yes. And uh, I tell my uh, my patients, I said, well, the only thing which separates us is the screen. I feel, I can see you. And you can observe during the, the mental health assessment. Mm-hmm. And uh, once you've done the mental health assessment, it's really quick because you get to know the patient, uh, you get to see the patient within a few minutes of referral. And uh, when you get to see the patient, you formulate a plan. And if they're needing uh, treatment or medication, then you can discuss that patient with an on-call consultant psychiatrist. And uh, once uh, you've discussed our uh, treatment, then they can, ca- uh, they can start treatment and being closer to family. Because families are really important when uh, somebody is uh, suffering from a mental health uh, problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, the other thing is, if we have to, we know that they can't be managed in the country, they need transferring to Metro or any other mental health uh, hospital, then we can arrange that. And uh, we've mm. seen uh, within 24 hours the transfer can happen, mm. Mm. which is really good. And Royal Flying Doctors are really amazing as well. So we coordinate everything. We work with the police. We work with Royal Flying Doctors. We ensure that the clinicians and the people on the ground are safe as well. And it's an amazing service. And uh, hopefully uh, we'll touch all these other sites uh, in the country and every site or every GP will have this service. Amazing. And and are there many people in a situation like yourself working in mental health with this with these resources? Yes, we've got a team about uh, nine uh, clinicians yeah. at the moment, which works really good. So it's a twenty four hour service, mm-hmm. and um, uh, it's um, seven days a week. Yes. Uh, Harry, yeah. And how many? Oh, I've just <laughs> wanted to ask as you were talking just then. I was wondering if you could just tell us again how many languages you know from uh, what you said earlier on. So Zambia has got about 72 dialects, uh, and I speak more than 20 dialects in Zambia, so, um, so yeah. Okay, I just thought, the thought crossed my mind, mm-hmm. when you've got a bit of spare time, you need to get down and learn the Nunga languages. <laughs> There's about 50 in Western Australia, aren't there? I think the Nunga language, yes, I, I would really appreciate, but mm. yeah, each and every language, even uh, in Zambian languages, it's about belonging and acceptance. Once I belong somewhere, I get to know the people and I get to learn a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, where, before you came, I talked about these bits as well. And oh. hopefully, when I learn, and I'm, uh, you know, the Nunga language, I'll be able to incorporate some of the beads in my bead. So if you can see the different colors here. So up. there's um, the uh, South African uh, flag mm-hmm. here. And uh, there's um, the oh. um, English flag, Zambian, 
as well. Yes. Uh, colors of uh, the Zambian flag. I have and to. I have to. Sorry for a minute. I have to tell the listeners that um, Sipo has a like a. How would you describe it? It's a necklace. It's a la an, a necklace full of beautiful colors and beautiful designs around her neck now, and she's explaining this to us. Yes, so uh, hopefully once uh, our COVID is uh, finished and the borders are open and I get to learn the Noongar language, I'll <laughs> come back home and next year, maybe in two years' time, you'll be able to see my beads, you know, maybe yes. reaching up to there with uh, some, uh, you know, colours of the Aboriginal flag as well. It would be great to have. I think uh, we, we might end up with a statue of Sipo, <laughs> same as we had of Mandela. Thank you, Sipo. I think it's time for a little more music. And um, then after that, I'm going to ask you about Street Friends, WA. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. would uh, recognize that traditional music uh, coming from the uh, f- from our first people's times Sipo thanks for that um, Sipo what about in your work as a, a mental health nurse and the, all the wonderful work that you're doing and that could you tell us then how you got involved in street friends WA and tell us about what street friends is and does thanks Harry um from a young age, I've uh, done a lot of uh, voluntary work. And um, when I went to the UK, I was involved in HIV because uh, HIV was closer to my heart. I lost some uh, siblings to HIV. And I sat on um, the UK steering group. I represented people who uh, were HIV positive and I wanted some uh, medication to be accessible to... Um, to the people who had the diagnosis of HIV. So we knocked on those heaven doors. And uh, yeah, 
it really worked well. When I came to Perth, I didn't have any um, organization to volunteer with. And I was seeking for a belonging. And one day when we were walking uh, across the bridge of um, Royal Perth with my colleague, uh, she introduced me to um, Michelle, who, Michelle. Um, mm. who was running um, Street Friends WA. And I found belonging in that mm. organization. And uh, when Michelle stepped down, I took over. And uh, Street Friends didn't have a charity status at that time. And we pushed forward because I was trying to advocate on behalf of the homeless people to, to get a better service. Mm -hmm. And uh, with lived experience of homelessness at the age of 24, my daughter was only three months old. We evicted from a cousin's house. And living on the streets was tough. And uh, most of the times she would cry, especially at night. But I would just keep her on my breast to keep her from crying so that we could look for dark corners to hide. The trauma which comes with it is a lot. And, um, you know, the shame which comes with being single and being jobless is a lot as well. But the, the resilience, that continent and that experience has given me resilience. Hmm. So which I definitely use up to now. And you can go through a lot of obstacles. You can go through a lot of trials. But if you just forge ahead and you look up and, you know, with people behind you, with the community, you know, people can overcome and they can turn their lives around. Here I am. I'm a clinical nurse consultant. And uh, until I shared my story, nobody knew that I was homeless at one point. Mm. But it is a story. It is my story which I can share. And I had to wait for my daughter to be an adult. And I had to discuss it before I shared it. So nobody, even when I started with the Street Friends WA volunteering, I didn't share my story about being homeless. I was comfortable to talk about other volunteering and stuff I've done, but not being homeless. So homelessness can happen to anyone. It only takes relationship breakdowns, just a paycheck, losing your job, you can be homeless. So mental health issues, you can end up being homeless. So it's a lot. It comes with a lot. And uh, we just have to work together to support these people who are experiencing homelessness. Whether it's the government, whether the churches, whether different organizations, we can pull together. And it's all about Ubuntu. I am who I am because of you. Sipo, that is a great message for our listeners, for me. My wife particularly goes to a church where, um, where we have asked the people during the winter months, the people who come to the church on Sundays, to help make a warm winter for people who are sleeping out at Hyde Park or in Wellington Square or, whatever, or wherever. And we only sort of see street fans so far as being kind to um, give clothes and I think you were telling me that the Sikh foundation or the Sikh congregations provide a lot of food for these people one night a week and that's that that's all we see but you have showed so well just what goes on with every homeless person or every disadvantaged people and and it's a real eye-opener so thank you very much for that 
Thank you, Harry. And Street Friends is um, is a, uh, has some headquarters here in Perth. So we've got a substation we operate from uh, in Perth, and that's where we sort out the clothing, mm-hmm. and um, that's where we operate from. And yeah, people can come along and help out. Um, people can come along with ideas uh, on how to tackle this homelessness Mm. because being a rich country in Australia, we can do it. We can tackle it, but we have to work together. We really should not have any homelessness, should we? So uh, I was going to ask you too about what about any connection you Street Friends staff and volunteers have, well, you're all volunteers, uh, with the Sikh community? You've got to know them a little bit more perhaps or do you just see them when they come we work alongside with them we've got to know each other and we've been working i think for the last um over a year now Ah. since um because it was all uh run under our street friends but because uh we you know that they were doing uh, an amazing job and we we coordinate together so Mm. we work as a team not only the Sikh organization i think every thursday we work with um you know, there's uh, Rama's uh, organization. They uh, provide coffee to the homeless, yes. street doctors, Orange Sky as well, Orange and One Sky. Voice. Mm. So it's a community every Thursday, and uh, the uh, provisions are uh, going on every six days. Sipa, thank you so much for your thoughts and your feelings and your heart going out to all those people and all your um, street friends, WA associates, volunteers, people who are doing such a good job and who not only just providing food and so on, but but also giving those people themselves a, a better heart and a better, uh, better a lot of a lot of hope which which they need. So thanks again very much, Sipo Young, for coming to see us, and we look forward to hearing from you again. We might once you've learnt a bit of Noongar language, we might invite you back to. Have a, say a few words or sing us a song. Thank you, Sipo. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks a lot. Much appreciated. I think, um, yeah, I wish I could suggest um, a particular Nyunga uh, song, but we're going to go for Yvonne Chaka Chaka, that song which kept uh, Nelson Mandela going in prison, although Nelson Mandela didn't like favoritism and he didn't disclose, but he liked this uh, song too hard. When my in when
Thank you. 